With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino. With cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Warning. This show contains adult political themes and language. Liberals and little children should cover their ears. Welcome to Liberty Never Sleeps, where negativity never sounded so good. Now here's your host, Thomas Purcell. Good morning and welcome to the Liberty Never Sleeps Patriot Podcast. I'm your host, Tom Purcell. You can follow the show at our website at libertyneversleeps.com, where you can find links to us on all the social media sites, including Gab and Parlor. The show is available to subscribe to also on iHeartRadio. Spotify, iTunes, or your favorite streaming device. Make sure to subscribe to our show on one of the services and hit the little bell button to get daily updates. Remember, for only a $2 donation, you get access to all five audio shoes every week. Good morning. I bet you were wondering why we didn't have a show yesterday. There was an emergency situation with a family member. I won't go into the details where I could not be available to tape the show for a while. I have now, back in my own home, got the situation handled. Just about an hour ago, I had a nice light bourbon. I'm now drinking seltzer water. Comfortable, rested, showered. The experience I had with our healthcare system over the last 48 hours was the most thought-provoking, disturbing, unpleasant situation I have ever experienced in my life. And this includes the time when I was intubated. I was at home yesterday afternoon, yesterday morning, doing my usual study for the getting ready for the Tuesday show when I got a call from a family member who was not in town and said another family member who they'd been taking care of was in serious distress in a local hospital and had nobody to visit them, take care of them, etc. So I said, of course, I'll be there. Normally, this other person takes care of their needs because they, they live next door to each other, practically, practically. And he was on vacation and he's doing some business overseas and could not, could not be available unless he had to cancel everything and it would have been a major problem for him. And he asked, Look, you got to do this. I said, no problem. I'm on it. Brief discussion about the mechanics of it. Threw some things together, jumped in the car, and off I went. I had to go to a emergency room in Arizona. I won't say where. One of the finest hospitals, I'm told, 
in Arizona. I've been there. I broke my leg there. That's where I was originally injured 11, now it's, I think it's 12 or 13 years ago. And it was an adequate facility when I was there. I wasn't happy with the way it was being run, but that was 12 or 13 years ago. I have to tell you, my experience there this time was disturbing at how far our healthcare system, not the people, the people were still good people working their ass off. That's not the issue. The way it was being run, the mechanics of it, the way things were handled. I haven't seen a hospital that badly run or the service or the care that badly handled since I was overseas. It reminded me of a situation many years ago, well, not that long ago, where I had to be in England and I had to deal with a medical facility in the National Institute of Health, the, the National Health, public health care. Same thing, same problems, same the way that people behaved, same thing. And I have to believe it has something to do with Obamacare because I hadn't been in the hospital or had to deal with the hospital since, since Obamacare. This is all happening now. I wanted to do the show tonight. It's going to be shortened because in the next couple days, well, on July 4th vacation, I hope to resolve all this by the end of July 4th. I'm still dealing with having to deal with this family member until the other family member gets home and gives me a hand. So I shows in the next two weeks may be a bit problematic. I'll do as many as I can, but my family comes first. And most of my listeners who I emailed, the ones that are paying for the show, I emailed them, let them know, all, all have sent me condolence letters, you know, and said, oh, no problem, take care of your family. I'm going to. I also have a responsibility to report on what I saw and experienced as well. I got to the ER, and the ER was not particularly crowded. You would think it would be, but it was Monday afternoon, mid midday. Well, no, it was earlier. It was like probably about 11, 12 o'clock. I, I can't remember because things were moving so fast. And it wasn't particularly crowded. It wasn't like where I worked years ago as, a, uh, as an emergency room orderly to help people. I did this to get credits because I was in pre-med at the time. It wasn't as bad as that, which was Los Angeles. It wasn't as bad as when I was a kid. In New York, hospitals and ERs were crowded with people. All kinds of people sick, moaning. It was horrible. That was 50 years ago. Medical care has advanced greatly. Our services, our system, enormous, millions of dollars of equipment. Walked in. There was a couple people just sitting there on their cell phones. Nothing particularly bad. The security guard, or who they were calling a security guard, could have been more than 20 and 90 pounds soaking wet, busy on his cell phone. I said, I'm here to, oh, you got to go to the front desk. I walk in into the dizzying array of signs, all different colors, all different arrows in different directions, different fonts. Some are stuck up, they're handmade on a printer, and then they put them in a clear plastic binder, you know, with the three holes in order to protect the sign, and then they tape it in place, all over the place. Don't do this, do that. Wear the mask, wear it this way. Stop, don't go, warning. 
There was no way a person, any person could reasonably understand the signs, even if they were coherent. I ignored them. I just went to the front desk. I said, I'm here to see ABC. They're in trouble. I'm their only help. Okay, I'm a family member. I said, here's my family. Here's my credentials, blah, blah, blah. No problem. Great. Go right through the double doors. Go down this hall. Go left. Go right. Go left. And twice. Like a maze. Every ER I've ever been in has been designed the same way. Double doors. They open up. And then you turn right so the people can't see directly from the waiting room into the ER. And there's rows of beds. And there's a nurse's station. And, you know, it's all organized. Nothing like that. Every room was a different number. Not in order. No signage. Or confusing signage. All different scattered out, different shapes and sizes of the rooms. I never saw anything like that. It's crazy. People could get lost there instantly. I kind of knew the layout already because I'd been there before. So that was helpful. Found the person I was supposed to care for. She was in a private room, not in a public room. Fortunately, years ago... We had gotten her the best health insurance, the best long-term care insurance. She's everything is 100% paid all the way. So they gave her a private room, got in there, and she was, it was bedlam. Nobody in there to help her. She's all alone, agonizing pain, in a delirium, confused, doesn't know where she is, doesn't, can't communicate with me. This person will be okay. Just to put, put it in perspective, I would not talk about the situation unless this person was 100% okay. They're fine now, and I'll explain. As the, I don't want to get into the specifics of their diagnosis, but she's fine. There was a botched situation at her former facility, and we've handled it. She's flailing around. She's obviously in critical pain. I go, hey, no nurses, no orderly, nobody. There's people walking. All taking their time, looking like they work at the post office, just walking along, doing whatever they're doing. I say, excuse me, is anybody tending to her? Yes. Oh, oh, yes. You the so-and-so, this person? Yes. What's going on? Well, we're not sure yet. We've conducted some tests. Well, she's obviously in pain. She's like pointing toward her back. Oh, yeah, she's just complaining about the pillow. Walks out. Complaining about the pillow. So I started reaching around underneath her. And the paramedics or the nurses had simply thrown her on the bed and had left her eyeglasses underneath her and were jammed into her back. And she couldn't communicate because she's got a problem speaking. I'm like, what are you guys doing here? I reach in, pull it out, and I see the look on her face like, oh, thank God, you got it out of my back. You know, she couldn't communicate. She was just like eye motion and hand motion, flailing. I'm waiting for somebody to come in. Half an hour goes by. I'm like, Jesus, are they, are they doing anything? And a group of people come in at once. Some doctor whose name I cannot pronounce. Two other people who didn't identify themselves. Everybody's in a different uniform. So you don't know whether a person is an orderly or a nurse or a doctor. I have no idea. At one point, I referred to one person as, oh, excuse me, are you an orderly? And she goes, no, I'm a nurse and gets all insulted. Well, how the fuck am I supposed to know? Everybody's in a different uniform, even the nurses. One blue, one green, one floral. One with a stethoscope, one with a hat, one without a hat. They're all masked up, so who the hell knows? No name badges. 
None that you could read or everybody has their own different name badge. I guess the individuality is more important than the patient and the people who are attending them understanding who the hell is running the place. They all come in. They go, well, we did a bunch of tests. We got some good news. Oh, that's good. She can't communicate. Speaking gobbledygook. Give me the good news. Well, we did a CAT scan. Everything, all the initial tests, she's fine. We think it's this, A, B, C, D. Oh, how did that happen? She was in another facility, in a, in a rehab facility. She recently had an injury and we had a, she was doing rehab and everything went haywire. We don't know how that got to that point. We're just going to try and correct it and figure it out so we can communicate with her again. Okay, I can live with that. She's going to be okay. I called the other family member. Guy walks out. I never see him again in the 11 hours I'm there. Different nurses, different orderly, no doctor. That was it. The one time I had a doctor. Back and forth, just the toilet herself, just the throw up, complete discontrol, has no control of her body, doesn't recognize me, doesn't recognize people, can't communicate. Nobody from staff will tell me anything. Somebody comes in, says, well, we're going to give her something for the pain. What? Well, something for her pain. Well, you got to tell me because I have the medical power here. Oh, you do? Yes, it's in your records. Oh. Well, it's something for the pain. No, I want to know specifically, and I held her hand back. I want to know specifically what you're giving her. What medication? Okay, it's this. It's Well, if you insist, it's this, it's this, it's this. So, you know, you know, it's, you know, it's a kind of a sulfur drug. You know, I, I said I know exactly what it is, and there may be a conflict with this medication she was on. Oh, that won't be in this case. Okay, fine. As long as you know and I know, then everybody's safe. But you go start sticking drugs in people without notifying people or understanding background or history – you're going to kill somebody. So she gets the medication. Everything starts to clear up as soon as that medication hits. This is five hours in. I'm with her five hours trying to toilet her, trying to take care of her, eventually getting a commode over to the side of the bed, a bed that is too short for her by a good foot, and they say that's all the beds we have. While I'm waiting, both in and out, listen to this. I'm waiting there, and there are empty rooms around me, empty beds. Yet people are stacked up in the hallway, which I don't know why. I hear a doctor having a conversation, I assume, with another doctor or a nurse or something. Apparently, there are people in the emergency room who have gone there because they tested positive for COVID. Not that they actually had any symptoms. They were all sitting there with their cell phones and masks on. But that each doctor and each nurse had to go in and explain to them that we're going to send you home because your oxygen levels are at 95%. Well, I've had this history and I've had that history. Well, yeah, but there's nothing we can do for you. Well, is it the Omicron variant? Oh, we have no way of identifying what variant you have. They don't tell people this. So what's the point of us all talking about it in the news? What's the point of getting everybody hysterical about it? What can you do to treat? Well, we can't do anything to treat you except if you keep your oxygen levels up because there's really no treatment. Well, I hear the patient going, well, what about this Paxlovid drug? Well, that'll conflict with your existing medication. And in fact, it conflicts with most medications, so we can't give it to you. We only do it in desperate cases. What about monoclonal antibodies? Oh, we don't do that anymore. They're not available to us. Millions of dollars we're spending on our healthcare system, and there aren't options provided for patients. 
And then the doctor, as he steps out, talks to another, we can't, we can't tell them the truth. And then that made my ears pop up. Why aren't they telling people? We can't tell them the truth, that there's really nothing that we can do for them except keep their oxygen levels up and hope they don't die. He actually says this. That's what they're telling. That's what's going on in our hospitals. Finally, another doctor comes in at like hour eight and says, oh, I'm your, new, I'm your doctor. Really? You're not the same guy that came in? Wasn't there another guy? Oh, that was her doctor, but he's gone now. Where'd he go? It's only been eight hours. I guess he went home. So he says to me, he leans over and starts talking to her who's incoherent still. He must have seen her records. Did you read her fucking chart? You can't, she can't talk. And he says, well, what's been going on here? I said, you're the doctor, not me. I brought her in here like this. You're supposed to be telling me what's wrong with her. I'm not supposed to be telling you. He gives me a look like lobsters crawling out of my ears. Gets mad. Well, we're going to do some more tests. Well, what have you done so far? Well, we got to get a urinalysis because we think it's this. Okay. But she's going to be fine. We know she's stable. It's just this has got to take time to clear out of her system. Oh, okay. Finally, someone explains it. What's going on with her? Now I feel much better. Call family members, tell them, settle them down. Then I notice more things. The floors have not been mopped in months. I still see dried blood dried body stuff on the floor. When I was working in a hospital and when I've ever seen a hospital before, there was always some guy mopping up everywhere. You got to, to keep it sanitary. Start looking around. Medical devices and instruments, unsanitized, laying open on a counter. Opened packages of sterile products where they use some of the product and just left the package and the unsterile product out on the table. Walls, Chairs, filthy. I wouldn't feed my dog. I'm serious on these facilities. It was a fucking embarrassment. This is America. This isn't Cuba. They don't have people. They don't have anyone. I noticed that most of the nurses stations are empty. And the ones that are the nurses that were trying to get to all these people, because they obviously don't have people to clean up, are basically going into a patient's room, telling them we can't really do anything or here's some medication to make you feel better. Then they go back to their computer and have to write 15 minutes or 20 minutes on whatever they did in a report. Doctors, the doctor that talked to me for maybe five minutes, I was watching through the glass. He was in the quote-unquote doctor's office area. Do not Everything was do not enter. Don't talk to the nurses. Don't talk to the doctors. We don't, we don't talk to you. They don't make eye contact with you. They avoid you. He was doing a report that took him no less than an hour. He had to be doing the report on the person I was with. Had to be because that was the only person. He came out of her room and then went to do his report. Hour. And doing a voice report. You know, he had to walk talking to a microphone. Like, what the fuck? Why didn't you tell me what you're talking to the microphone? I want to know. Well, you know, because you're stupid. You're stupid. You're uneducated. You wouldn't know what we're talking about anyway. Really. Try me. I probably know more about it than you fucking do. I was in medical underwriting. Don't want to go down there. They're taking care of my mom. The people are worried. It's not the people. It's the system. Orderly comes in. 
to move her to the main room to wherever they decide to check her in, which is a beautiful facility, by the way. I got I to gotta say to tell you this. The upstairs, the, the private room that she was put in, we got her arranged in a celebrity wing. We got a few bucks, you know, we took care of her. She's in a quiet wing by herself. Beautiful. Flawlessly clean, organized. I don't know what's going down in the ER, but it looked to me like there were dozens of people checking in because they had been testing their at-home test, a positive test, or had the sniffles and decided, I got to go to the ER. They're using the ER for a doctor's office. It's being overwhelmed. You've scared people half out of their mind with this COVID thing. And so now they're flooding the ERs and there aren't enough staff because nobody wants to do it anymore. Who would want to? The orderly comes to take her up to her room. Thank God. She's starting to come out of it. I can speak with her again. This is eight hours in. We, and nobody's communicated to me what she actually has. They're just telling me the process of what... What's making her sick? Okay, well, okay, but how'd she get like that, right? That was a conversation I had with them today, which I don't want to get into. The orderly comes in to take her. Uh, I'm, I'm here to take her up to this room. Okay, what room? I don't know. Well, where you, you must know what room you're going to. So I said to him, you must know. He couldn't have been more than 20. You know what he does? He looks in his phone and then he walks out of the room. Well, what the fuck? He didn't even respond to my question. Walks out of the room. Comes back. Okay, I'm here to move your, 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 your relative. Okay. What room? Uh, he looks down. 26, 20. He didn't know. Packs her up. Puts her on the bed. I said, I'm going to go with you to the room. Guy doesn't respond. Doesn't talk to me. We get on the elevator to go upstairs to the room. The whole time I'm trying to engage him in conversation. Won't talk to me. Keeps looking in his phone. I don't know what he was doing. Playing blackjack or something. As we're walking toward the room, he walks ahead and doesn't care if I'm, I'm closer. And I said, you know, I felt like saying we're practically fucking running. Would you slow down? Take your time. Relax. Somebody's on that thing. That's a human being you're dealing with. Doesn't even look back to see if I'm there. Right? Down through another maze. Her room has to be in the most furthest place from my car. Has to be. Get her situated. She's now coming out of it. She's, you know, alert. Great. Nine o'clock at night. I can go home finally. Apparently the paramedics left some stuff at the old facility. I had to go over the old facility, have this conversation with them about what happened. Because no one told me. Got her stuff. Brought it back to her. Listen to this. Here's the kicker. I had to go down to my car. Which was outside the emergency room. It's literally in the parking lot. Below where I can see. But the exit. Is officially down the wing. And back down the path. Like it's like through the whole hospital. Literally. I said to the. Is there any fast way? Is there a stairwell? Or something. She goes, I'll take you through the employee elevator. I'll take you right out to the bottom. Great. She goes, I I'm sorry about that. It's after hours and they can only come through the front entrance. Okay, whatever. Nah, yeah, we have a few laughs. The people and the staff were beautiful. Everyone was so nice. But they're overwhelmed. She takes me down on the special employee envelope elevator. She goes, you, you know, goodbye. Have a nice day. All right. I, got, you know, I, I get to my car and guess what? I left my keys up in her room. So I go back the way I came, all locked. 
I got to walk all the way around. So I go to the emergency room entrance where my car is and I go to the emergency room. Hey, listen, by the way, I, I just, I, I have to go back up to my room. I left my keys up there. Well, what room she's in? Oh, she's upstairs. Oh, she's been admitted. Yeah. Oh, you can't come in this way. What do you mean? I can't, you need to drive down to the front of the building, which is all the way around the hospital. And then they'll let you in. I said, I can't drive. I got, I got, I got no keys. She says to the security, the 20 year old who's playing with his fucking games. Hey, can you walk, let walk him? No, he's got to go in through the entrance. Really? Yeah. He's got to go through security. I walk all the way around the building at a hundred degrees at nine o'clock at night. I think I'm going to have another stroke steaming, of course, the whole time about the service. I walk around the building and I get to the front desk to, to, to go in to see her and there's nobody there. There's no security. I just get on an elevator and go back upstairs. Why did you have me walk all the way around if, if you've got no security anyway at the front desk? What's the fucking point? So I go back up. I said, hey, I left my keys. Oh, yeah, we, we were wondering about that. Yeah, I'll bet you were because you were seeing me down in the parking lot. So I almost want to yell out to the window. So I get my keys. I, I get situated. I get home. The whole situation is because of a lack of proper management and overwhelmed staff. And I got news for you. That is not fixable under our current system. There were signs everywhere. Everyone in a different uniform. Listen to this. Here, there were so many ridiculous policies. I, tonight, I can't even remember all the ones. At one point, as I'm just sitting there for hours waiting for help, I just want to get a Coke. I haven't eaten since the morning. I, I, got, I got to get something in me. I, a Coke will work. I don't normally drink Coke, but I figured I'll eat a little sugar water, right? Coke will get me through until I get home. I said, where's the Coke machine? Oh, they all looked at each other. Like, like I asked them, like, where's the crack addict room, right? And they go, okay, wait right there. I go, wait right here. Just, just tell me. I said, just tell me. I just want the Coke machine. I don't, need to, I don't need to meet somebody or anything. No, no, just wait right there. I wait for about five or six minutes, and then they have a nurse come out. Okay, I'll take you there. I go, yeah, just tell me where it is. I don't want to waste your time. I, I know you guys are overwhelmed. Oh, no, it's, it's hospital policy. If you ask directions to anywhere in the building, like an elevator, where the main entrance is, where a vending machine is, blah, 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 we have to take you there because you'll get lost or, or, or you'll get in the system. I go, I'm not stupid. Just point me in the right. I'll take care of it. Oh, no, we can't do that. So she walks me out through the emergency room doors to get a Coke. She goes, the vending machine is right here. Walks me to the machine. She can't just point to the sign. Go, that's right there. No, she tries to walk me. She goes, okay. And then she says to the emergency room clerk, get this. She says to the emergency room clerk, hey, he just wants to get a Coke and then you can let him back in. Okay. I get to the machine. I can't figure it out. It's a Coke machine, right? I got a couple bucks on me. I go to put in the machine. I go, where the fucking money go in? There's no way to put the money in. You're supposed to hold your cell phone up with a QR code or do you easy pay? I go, I don't have a fucking cell phone. I, I don't carry one. So I'm, I'm, I'm steaming now. And then I realize, oh, I can use my debit card as an easy pay. That'll work. I go, great. So I, you know, I put it in the thing and the thing, you know, goes, yeah, you got credit now. Great. I don't know how much my card was whacked. And she says, if you want price on your machine, on your choice, when you push the button and then you confirm it, that that's the choice you want. I go, okay, Coca-Cola Classic. That's good. I hit the button. Boom. Coke Zero comes out. Cherry flavored. Tasted like cough syrup. Go, fuck. 
I go, well, we'll have to do. I'm not putting another 250. They charge 250 for a Coke at this machine. 250. Imagine profiting off people who are sick and dying and you're getting 70,000 to take care of somebody or whatever it is. And you can't just charge a buck for a Coke because you know they ain't paying 250 for that Coke. It's just a friggin' 12 ounce bottle. Whatever. So I get, I get my Coke after futzing around with five minutes. Go back and it's a different clerk at the emergency room entrance. Who are you? Oh, I'm a family member. I'm here to see so-and-so. She goes into her thing. Right? I said, I just came out to get a Coke. She goes in her thing. She goes, there's somebody in there already uh, who's a family member and we only allow one family member in at a time. I go, that's me. I'm the family member. I just came out to get a Coke. Oh, okay. Well, security in. Can we let him in? And the guy goes, yeah, I just saw him walk out. So they open the doors and I find my way back. It was, it was the most frustrating, maddening, crazy this is equivalent to a socialized healthcare public system. We have it. Don't let anyone tell you, any left wing tell you, we need socialized medicine. We got it. Whether you liked it or not. You've got all kinds of people going to the ER for all kinds of nothing. And everybody's in chaos. Everything's a mess. Everything is filthy. Millions of dollars of equipment. Tens of millions of dollars in facilities. And people are lying in agony and they can't treat them. That's what we bought with Obamacare. And then I had to deal with the other facility who screwed everything up with, with medication, which is put her in the freaking place in the first place, which I have to deal with now later on. My family, not necessarily me. It's a mess. It's a mess. This is the system we all said would be better. This is the system, Barack Obama. Our problem is not, not enough health care. We got plenty of health care. That's the problem. Everybody's got too much. Every little whim is being answered. A sniffle. Your kid just got a sniffle. Okay. Give him some NyQuil. Oh, it's COVID. It's deadly. Well, the doctors don't seem to think so, unless you've got a serious oxygenation problem. That's different. It can get deadly. But the problem is the system is overwhelmed. There's all kinds of people in there for all kinds of different things. And everybody's getting whatever they want because of the Obamacare bill. The advancements in Medicaid and socialized funding and cheap insurance for the poor. It's flooding our ERs because they're not going to the doctor. They're going to the ER. You go to the ER when blood's pumping out of you, right? Not when you got a sniffle. And, it, and these poor people. I, I don't want to get mad at the people. I could see, but they're all working at one speed now because they're, it's a government system. And they know if I just run around, I'm just going to tire myself out. I can't get to everybody anyway, just like in the post office. So I'm just going to work and I'm just going to ignore people. I'm not going to make eye contact. There were people in the aisle wandering around looking for restrooms, looking for that. And nobody wanted to talk to them because of the policy that I got, you know, I got to escort them to wherever they're going. It's the whole system is run by poorly run government. We've turned our beautiful Healthcare system, our healthcare marketplace, which is really what it is, into the post office. And eventually, these poor nurses, the only people that will be left, because all the good ones will leave or go into private care facilities, which you don't even know about. All of the good ones will go. All of the people, the quasimodas, will gradually build up and stay there for a lifetime career. And your healthcare services will gradually go down. And there won't be anybody 
later on because the new generation that's coming along don't want to be orderlies in hospital. They want to jump off cliffs in front of YouTube. And people are not having those kids anymore either. Let's talk about that as I, I get into this. There's a reason why there's nobody working. It's more than just, oh, people are on government dole. No, we need to talk about it because there's a population collapse coming. And this problem is going to expand, widen, and kill people. We'll be right back. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Full work limited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. You know, when I was there at the hospital, they didn't like me very much because I talked to them like this, like an adult. And I was always asking for stuff. Hey, where's the care? Where's, when's my next visit? When, when is she coming in? She's got to go use the commode, blah, 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 blah. And I had, I had to beg them for that stuff. Other people were in the same boat. I could tell they were frustrated walking through the halls, talking about it. There's nobody working anymore. Not that the people aren't there at work. They're working. They're working their ass off. But nothing's getting done. Because they got all kinds of forms and paperwork and rules to follow and regulations. There's nobody in charge. There's nobody like, who's the floor doctor? Well, there isn't one. Who's the head nurse? Well, there isn't one. Everyone And, and you constantly get a, 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 a flow of different people in your room. So you have no idea who to talk to or who to go to. The reason is, is because our next generation, from the Generation X on, Generation X, Millennial, and whatever the next one will be called, they don't want to work in those type of jobs. They all want to get, be, get degrees, become lawyers and doctors, or they want to go dance around on YouTube in front of a cliff and jump off and everybody laugh about it. And then they make money like that. Why should they work? Why would you take a job as a nurse, which requires tens of years of training and is brutal on your body and psychology when you can get the same amount of money simply jumping off a cliff on YouTube? Why would you? You wouldn't. No one, no one in their right mind would. Unless they, they had a calling. That's the only people that are working in these hospitals, people with calling. Or people who just can't get anything else for whatever reason. Circumstances of the life, whatever. And those people will, will become more common. And the people with the calling will become less common. And bottom line is there isn't enough people because we aren't having children. As of today, less than 50% of women under 30 have had children. That is not enough to support the ongoing population. 
It's certainly not enough to produce, and this has been going on since at least the late 90s. This has been going on for 20 plus years. So you're starting to see the initial effects of not enough young people doing what I did when I was that age, volunteer work and you know minimum pay work, pushing people and getting used to working in a hospital, which is why I did it. There's, there's nobody to do it. They don't want to do it. Nobody to do the minimum wage jobs. Nobody to do the unskilled labor. Nobody willing to work their way up. They all want to start at the top. That's why they get a degree and think that will do it. When that happens, and it will happen in my lifetime, it will be far uglier than what I saw in that hospital in the last two days. There will not be enough people to take care of the people that are aging out. Bottom line. The baby boom generation ended in 1964. Then came the Generation X. Generation X is far less productive and has far fewer children than the baby boom generation. Baby boom generation was four, five, six times as far as reproductive as it is now. It dropped down to about 2.0 with the Generation X. You need to maintain 2.0 to simply replace the people that are dying, aging out. We're now well below that. Something around 1.3, I think. And it's getting worse. People are not having children. They have been encouraged not to. They've been told, oh, you can't bring more people in this world. The population is too far. It's too great. It's too great. There's not enough resources. Have an abortion. You're not productive unless you have an abortion. I can't imagine a more sicker thing, notion of that. Can you imagine? They're talking about now with, with the repeal of Roe versus Wade. that employers will pay women to go to a state if they want an abortion. I can't imagine a more dystopian view. Someone, a friend of mine put it very bluntly on Facebook. She says, they talk about the handmaid's tale. Oh, uh, anti-abortion, handmaid's tale. He says, she says, what is worse that an employer will pay for you to kill your own child so that you're more productive at work? How is that not like handmaid's tale? How is that not dystopian? Why? You know why? It saves money. An employer will have to provide family leave for an employee that decides to have a child. But if we could just pay a couple thousand dollars in travel expenses, shit, we'll do that. And they'll be back on the job in a week. How horrible is that? And the Democrats are pitching that. And that's why your population is collapsing. You're constantly being told that a child ruins your life. How many geniuses were not born in the last 50 years? How many fetuses, how many millions of babies who could have cured so many of our ills in society were not born at all, never had that chance, never had a chance to meet that special someone, never had a chance to live a full life, never had a chance to bring their gifts to mankind. And everyone's life is a gift to mankind. Whether you think it is or not, a child is not going to ruin your life. That is nonsense. It's going to change it into something that maybe you thought it was going to not be into something that it becomes. Will it be more difficult economically? Sure, any child is. It's more difficult economically even for the wealthy to have children. But that's something you do as a member of society. 
In my particular case, my special someone, I met too late to have children. But we've had that discussion. Just, I, I would have had kids if, if we were met when, you know, we weren't this age. It's a shameful thing when a society decides to kill itself. Those jobs cannot be replaced. That number cannot be fixed. The collapse in our population is imminent. It will happen in my lifetime. There will not be enough people to maintain the infrastructure that we built that Joe Biden so desperately thinks we need by spending every last nickel in the treasury. The roads, the bridges, the hospitals, the policemen, the firemen, there will not be enough to maintain the existing city structure that we have. And I don't know what the implications of that will be. I saw some of it in that hospital. People lying in pain, unable to get help, unable to get explanations, because they don't have time. They don't have time to spend 15 or 20 minutes explaining everything to every patient. They just got to move on. They got to do what they can and move on. It's a terrible situation. It's horrible. It destroys both patient and caregiver. I got to do one last story before we wrap up. I, my, I'm exhausted. I'm exhausted. I had to go back over there today. Deal with all the associated problems. Check in. What's next? What rehab? Blah, blah, blah. Everything is going to be okay, though. Bottom line, we finally sorted out all the kinks. Don't expect any more complications. It was just a weird thing that I don't want to discuss publicly. I want to talk about J6 a little bit. And this Secret Service agent, which disgraced the Secret Service today. We'll be right back after this brief message. J6 or the January 6th Commission. I thought it had wrapped up. They gave closing arguments. A lot. Now all of a sudden that other people want to speak, apparently. No cross-examination, no evidence, allowing hearsay evidence to be brought in. Of course, they claim it's not a trial, even though if it walks like a duck and it quacks like a duck, it is a duck. It's a trial of Donald Trump to slander him and the people around him. That's all it is. Secret Service agent Casey Hutchinson, one of the first women Secret Service agents and close to the president, made an outrageous claim in today's meeting. When there was a discussion about what to do, about where to go with the beast, you know, because of the chaos that was breaking out, and Donald Trump had tried to calm people down, which I know, which they are denying. There was a discussion with staff about where to take the president to make a speech or whatever. And Trump said he wanted to go to the Capitol. He wanted to dress right up front. And they wouldn't do it. So he says, oh, that's too dangerous. I, I understand why it's dangerous. You don't know when it's a riot. You don't know what, how, what, chaos. You don't know if they're armed. Right. It, they, the Secret Service acted appropriately. They didn't act appropriately in that J6 meeting. Casey Hutchinson comes out, not only did Trump struggle or lunge at Secret Service agents, but try to wrangle the steering wheel on the beast out of the hands 
of a secret service agent and said, well, I'm the fucking president and you think you go where we're supposed to go. That never happened. First of all, it's not physically possible. The driver's compartment in the beast is sealed from the presidential compartment. You can look it up right online. There's pictures of it. There's no way that you can reach through that much, like a foot of steel into the driver's compartment. Never happened. I don't care what she says. Never happened. It's hearsay evidence. Well, I heard from a third person that he lunged at the cell. What? Spoloni. Spoloni. Donald Trump never tried to wrest the steering wheel out of the Secret Service agent's hand on the beast. Give me a break. It's not possible. When you're a member of the Secret Service, you are entrusted to the protection of the president. That just doesn't mean his body. You're the Praetorian Guard. You're supposed to be in service to the president. That's probably the discussion that Donald Trump had. You're supposed to work for me. If I tell you to, I'm going to do something, you've got to figure out a way to protect me. It's not for you to tell me where I can go because it's not safe. I, I get that discussion. That's nothing wrong with that. I'd probably do the same thing. Hey, I'm willing to take the risk because this is too important. Once that happens, any conversations that happen between a president and a Secret Service officer is not for public consumption and is not to be used against them as a weapon in a kangaroo court and held up for public contempt. Anything that happened, even if it was true, you don't ever break this code of silence that you have around the president. President has to feel completely comfortable and completely safe with anything that's entrusted with the people around him that have entrusted their lives to protect his. That also means the secrets, the conversations, whatever his personal habits are, you never disclose that publicly. That's always been a code of the Secret Service. Always. There was nothing that was discussed about what happened in J6 that would be necessary for the House of Representatives to either know about or discuss in a public forum. Even if he did do that, that's not a, that is not a need to know. The American people don't need to know that, that there was an argument about where the president is supposed to or can go. And by doing what she did, she dishonored the Secret Service. I don't know what's going on in this country. I really don't. It seems like everybody's at war with everyone. Everybody is retreating into their power base. Everyone is trying to build a war chest for whatever is coming. The CIA and the FBI hate each other. There are different centers of power building in this country, different factions, different ideas, and they're all gathering around it. This is a bad sign. People no longer view themselves as Republicans. They review themselves as conservatives. And there's that group. There's the Trump supporters. There's the Republican old guard party. And they're all retreating. The same with the left wing. The progressives, the blue dog Democrat. They're all retreating and building money and power. That's the sure sign that a society is building its way towards civil war.
It happened very much the same way in the years leading up to, to the Civil War the first time. And I say the first time because between the population collapse, the rules and regulations and the way government is trying to run our society instead of letting individuals and self-governance and everyone retreating behind walls of money and power, this is a bad, bad situation. Now, I'm not going to be around this weekend. I'm not going to have time for a private show this weekend. I apologize. I will make it up to you. I have to take care of family members. As it turns out, I had time off during the July 4th weekend. I'll have to postpone updates until August. I probably will get something done in the next few days over the weekend, if I can. I might be able to squeeze out a podcast or two, but the next, through the July 4th weekend, probably into the 8th or 9th, uh, it'll, episodes will be problematic. Let's put it that way. I might get one out like Tuesday or Wednesday, and then nothing on Thursday, maybe a private show on Friday, that kind of thing, just for a couple of weeks, folks, as I settle family affairs, as I make things right with everybody and, and get everything situated, because I'm basically in charge right now. You know, that's the bad thing about being the king. Sometimes you got to act like it, right? But everybody's okay. That's the important thing. Take care of your family first. And show some backbone. Take care of them yourself. Don't pass it off to the state. Don't pass it off to other people. If somebody in your family is in need, you take care of it. That's what we do in a responsible society. That's what we do in a self-reliant society. We don't transfer our problems to the government. We fix them ourselves. And that's what we've done in our family. I would encourage you to do the same. Properly plan for your old age. Buy good health insurance. Skip the fun stuff. Skip the three cars. Skip the boats. Plan ahead. Because if you don't, the state's going to get it anyway. Buy good long-term care insurance. Buy good Medicare supplemental insurance. Buy the best one you can that covers everything. They do exist. They're expensive. Yeah, well... That's life. A little tough love. We're out of time for today. I hope you enjoyed today's abbreviated show. I wanted to bring you up today. I have a responsibility to you as people who donate to the show and listen to the show on a daily basis. I've got so many emails of you know, warmth and love from my listening audience. I want you to know I am thinking of you. I'm taking care of the show, but I am taking care of family first. But I'm not going to just walk away. All right? I'll probably get a show out today. Well, this show, Wednesday, and maybe a Thursday show. I doubt if anything for Friday. And I'll be back after the holiday plus plus. Okay? Out of time for today. I'm, I'm really tired. I'll keep in touch with you on social media. Take care, folks. Have a good one. i